Oh, that doesn't sound too happy. Everybody doing good? Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, we, uh, we started a series a few weeks back uh, uh, entitled, God Can't Steer a Parked Car. And the idea is that uh, we can't sit around and do nothing. We can't sit around and wait for God to do everything in life. We've got to step up to the plate and fulfill the call and purpose that he has on us. And week one and two, that's what we talked about, uh, how that everybody has an important uh, purpose. Every one of you has an important purpose. And so the question for me to remind my, ask myself and to remind myself is, uh, do I know what that purpose is, and am I doing something to pursue it? I love this verse out of Exodus chapter 9 and verse 16. It says, he's speaking to Moses concerning Pharaoh. He's asking him to do something pretty big, and he says, listen here, but indeed for this purpose, I have raised you up, Moses. I, I raised you up for this purpose, and can I say that every one of you has a call? And every one of you has a purpose, and God wants you to not only discover it, but he wants you to fulfill it. He doesn't want you to forget it. He doesn't want you to get discouraged and just find something else to do with your life uh, that, that may seem nice and good. But he says, no, I have raised you up. Why? That I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all of the earth. So everything that he's doing in you is to bring glory back to him. We're at right here on earth. So that on earth here, I'm displaying his glory. And displaying his glory, as we said back then, isn't just about being good or nice, because anybody can be good and nice. Right? <laughs> right? Does anybody know any nice non-believers? Okay. Are they nicer than you? Good. So, so it's really not about how, how well you know, we can do and how well we can live, although that's important. I'm not saying that it's not. But the reality is, is God's looking for something so much more. He, he said, I give you this amazing treasure that I put within you. And, 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 then, and then in week three, we talked about, uh, uh, for a few minutes, we talked about 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant or unlearned or unknowledgeable. I want you to know about these things called the spiritual gifts. And it's interesting because there's about three things that in the New Testament that Paul talks about that he says that he doesn't want us to be ignorant about. In Romans eleven twenty five, 25, it says, don't be ignorant concerning God's plan for Israel. And then uh, in 12, 1, which you just read, it says, don't be ignorant of spiritual gifts. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, don't be ignorant about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Guess what the three main things that people seem to be the most ignorant about? What, what's going on with Israel? <laughs> what are their spiritual gifts? A large portion of the body of Christ thinks that they were only for a certain time and they're not for today because they needed them more than we do. Hmm. And then what about the second coming? How many different theories and thoughts are there on that? You know, there's probably a multitude of them right here in this room. But there are the three things that he says, hey, don't be ignorant about these things. And so the one we want to focus on today is the spiritual gifts part. The spiritual gifts part. And I believe that what I, uh, I, in my heart would be to say that uh, this, this understanding today 
becomes so much a part of you that it does literally transform your life. You do begin to live and walk each day a little differently because of a greater, deeper understanding. I'm believing that God's going to release that over our minds today, a deeper understanding of the whole area of the spiritual gifts and the spiritual realm. We said uh, a couple last week or week before, what happens when we use our gifts and talents, and these are all filled in for you because we already went through these, but this is what happens when we as a church decide, hey, we are a spirit-filled congregation, Amen. right? We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We, uh, we believe in all three of them. They're one, but we believe in all of them, and we believe that the Holy Spirit is the active agent of the Godhead in our day. And so there, he's the one that I should be in tune with. And we said, if this happens, then these things will happen. The body will mature. The church will grow. God will be glorified. People will be saved. People are set free. And people are healed. These are the things that happen as we begin to function and allow the gifts and talents of the Lord to work in us and through us on a normal, regular basis. And then we spoke about how to position ourselves or myself before God to be used by him. How is that going to happen? Is it just going to happen or, you know, is he going to, you know, what's, how's that going to really work? And I put down three things for us to consider. The first one was I do need to present myself. I think it's a good thing every day to get up, get on your knees and say, God, today, I'm here to serve you. I am your servant. I am your servant. I love you, and I'm here to do whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to do it, whenever you want me to do it. Now, he's going to challenge that because he's going to do it at some pretty uh, um, poor timing, if you ask me. It's like inconvenience and so forth. But as you learn to respond to that, all of a sudden his voice becomes so much clearer to you. And, 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 and so you need to, and I need to present myself to the Lord as a living sacrifice. The second thing we said is we need to have a renewed mind. I hope you've been reading the Gospels through lately. I have just been thrilled to reread those and to go back through those and begin to see how much really spiritual activity was happening when Jesus walked on the planet and when he walked with his disciples and what was happening in that early church and how that early church looked and what was, it was like amazing. I'm like, wow, this is, a, this is really thrilling. And, and, and how do I renew my mind? You know, of course, it's through the Bible. If you want your faith to grow, read your Bible. You want to renew your mind? Read your Bible. You want to be transformed? Read your Bible. You see, I think sometimes we've just gotten away from that. And we wonder why we would say we have no faith. We have, well, you know, your faith is ignited when you read the Bible. That's what ignites it. That's what sets it on fire. That's what makes you have the courage to step out on the word when it comes to you. So I, I need to have my, my mind renewed. And then I also need to walk in grace and faith. I need to walk in grace and faith. They're two different things, and we talked about those, and so I'm not going to go through it today. Let's look now at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 4 through 6. Verses 4 through 6. Uh, and, and here are just a couple things to what it says. Uh, verse 4, 
There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So he gives us kind of three different terms to help us step into this realm of the supernatural and what it looks like and, and, and what it sounds like. There's diversity of gifts. Uh, obviously, we're going to look at some of those this morning. And then there's, he goes on, and, and it's the same spirit, which, by the way, if you look at that, you see the Godhead right there, the Father, the Father God the Father, uh, the Lord Jesus, and the, Son, and the Spirit. So you see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right, in this one verse, uh, or these, uh, these couple of verses. There are different diversities of gifts, and it says differences of ministries. That's potentially leaning toward Ephesians 4, where it talks about apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and, uh, and, and evangelists. And, and then he goes, there's different types of activities. I believe what he's trying to communicate to us is that there's not a formula and there's not a box that you can put this in. But it's a, it's a whole lifestyle. It fits with all of your life and it's everything about you that these things begin to flow and come forth out of you in these different fashions and in these different ways of gifts and ministries and activities. And, uh, and he goes on and, uh, and he talks about uh, these diverse activities that happen, and there's some uh, scriptures there that are on your notes for that. And then let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 7, and look at what it says. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one if you want to maybe underline that on your notes, if you have it there, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. What's he saying there? He's saying those gifts are not for you. They are for the body. They are for others. They are for other people. They're not just to be puffing me up or just to do me well, but they're actually good for the whole body. And, and the importance of that and the value of that is this here. We come together and the Holy Spirit moves among us. And if I have these gifts uh, actively activated, then they will minister to people. They will minister to one another. And when we look at the gifts, you'll see the difference, different ways that this happens. But what he's saying is, hey, these gifts, I didn't give them just for you to keep and to hide and to hoard and be happy you have, but I'm giving them for the, uh, the good of all and for the profit of all so that the body of Christ can be uh, strengthened and built up. It might be almost like our immune system. When it's working properly, it's going around taking care of things. And if there's a little sickness that creeps in, your immune system goes after it and, and destroys it. Well, this is kind of maybe a picture for the body of Christ and how it functions together and lets the gifts of God flow together to bring ministry and life to it. Let's read on here uh, in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, he says, but the, I'll start with 7. <clears throat> but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, for to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. Notice he keeps releasing the same term, by the same Spirit, by the same, he wants you to know it's by one Holy Spirit that these things come to you. 
and uh, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, and to the to another prophecy, and to another a discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of the tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things. Now listen to this here. Distributing to each one individually as he wills. So we come together in a gathering, say, like this, and, and, and he's saying the Holy Spirit uh, distributes to each one individually as he wills. Now think about that. I don't know, just reading it in my mind, I begin to just to get this picture, this natural picture. I mean, it says that the, you know, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of prophecy, all this stuff is functioning and flowing together within the context of the body in a very natural and a normal way. You know, sometimes you see people make a big spectacle out of it. That's never what it was supposed to be. It was, but it was supposed to flow freely in the midst of the gatherings of the people of God to profit all, to build all the body of Christ up, to strengthen all the body of Christ. How many know if you're sick, you'd love to come across somebody that has the gift of healing, right? But what if that somebody is over there sitting in the corner and not even activate, not even focused on God, not even focused on the Holy Spirit, not even thinking about what the Holy Spirit might want to be doing today right here in this gathering? Has anybody received a word of knowledge in a, in a church gathering? Anybody here? Raise your hand just real high. Come on, we got to get bold here. Okay. At this point... Y'all been in church long enough, you probably all should have had one by now. That's how normal this should be, right? We need to normalize the supernatural or we're going to want to live in the natural. I want to live normally and naturally in the supernatural. I don't want to live in the natural. I don't want to stay there. I'd rather be in the setting and the place and the position of the supernatural. So if I come to church and I need a prophetic word, it comes to me. If I come to church and I need a miracle, it comes to me. If I come to church and I, I, there's a need there that I can't break on my own, guess what? The body of Christ rallies because those gifts and ministries are functioning like they should normally. Isn't that an awesome thing? I mean, I, I just dream for a second. Every time you came to church, any challenge that you had would be dealt with because somebody there in the gifts and ministries, they're going to be flowing. They're not going to be resisted. They're not going to be ignored. They're going to be open up, and all of a sudden, the answers begin to come, Amen. and the healing begins to come. This is what he's calling normal for us. This is what he's trying to put emphasis on, is, hey, this is normal for you to be supernatural. It's not normal for you to stay natural. And this is where he's pulling us. He's saying, man, I just want you to step into this. And again, I think about all, all these beautiful young kids we have running around here. I want them to know how natural the supernatural is in their life and in their home and in their family Amen. and in the house of God. Because the, the, they, ha- they will need it more than we ever have. Amen. Because we're seeing a demonic thing rise up around us now. And, and, and if you're not aware of that, all you got to do is just search satanic church. Just, just Google it. You'll be amazed at how many satanic churches that there are popping up. 
And yet we sit around as natural believers. And God said, no, 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 no. I want to open something up to you that's going to literally blow you away. And again, how do we develop this so that it's just a natural thing? You know, it's not some weird, funky thing. But it's just a supernatural. The Holy Spirit's here, and we're all listening to him every time we come together. And, 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 and we come saying, God, here am I. I'm I'm presenting myself to you. I'm going to present myself to you. I guarantee if we got that kind of hunger, you'll be amazed at how much God would be released in this place. You'll be amazed. I mean, literally amazed. And this is what I believe that God wants us to do in the course of this whole thing. God wants to do stuff, but he's chosen to do it through you and I now. That's why he saved you, and that's why he then said, I'm going to put my, what did he say he was going to put in you? I'm going to put my power in you. Isn't that right? Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I'm going to give you what? My power. He didn't say, I'm going to give you my love. That's not what he said. If he said it, that'd be great, but he didn't. He says, you know something? I'm going to put the power in you. And, and, And I'm thinking, how many of us, when we even read that, and the word is dunamis, is which where we get our English word dynamite, how many of us really sit back and acknowledge, God, there's a greater power in me than what I acknowledge each and every day and what I'm walking in and what I'm functioning in. Even though when we read the Old Testament stories and we see these uh, non-spirit-filled guys and gals producing miracles, we still step back and, well, we know those stories, that's for sure. We got it down. We got it figured out. We got our Bibles. We got our everything. We can find the scriptures in an instant. But yet there's, there's a demonstration of the power that God is looking to release in his body that I think eye has not seen and ear has not heard yet. But we are at the crossroads of time and history where we have to rise up and take the baton ourselves and say, God, that's right. This is your word. I not only believe it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to let it be released inside of me. And he goes on uh, to speak about uh, the various uh, gifts that we'll look at here briefly. Um, but I, I, I kind of, I, I guess... Just thinking about this and just saying, you know, how do I, how do we really communicate this past? Because we have become so religious just sitting in church. You know what I'm saying? How many came here a little rushed this morning? Anybody? All the parents should raise their hand, (laughs) if I remember right. (laughs) Thank God he erases some memories. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just you're just rushed in, and it's by the time you get it settled in, you know, worship's about done, and you maybe missed the flow of the Spirit, and he's wanting to really uh, bring us back into that so that we can really catch this thing. Because I'd like for us to walk away this morning with something stirring inside of us that doesn't let us rest from saying, God, your word says this stuff. I can no, I can no longer read it and know it and not see it happening. 
That's what he says. You need to hunger and thirst after this. That's what he was referring to. And if I'm finding a lack of hunger and thirst, then I can cure that. I can cure that. One way is to fast. I know, you don't want to hear that one. But that's the reality is, is that, 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 that fasting creates a hunger for spiritual things inside of you. Just try it. Try one meal. Start with one meal a week of fasting and just spending some time with the Lord, and you'll begin to develop a hunger uh, for the Holy Spirit. Um, so anyway, let's look at some of these gifts now. Let's just kind of go through them. I want to just briefly define them. Uh, obviously, not going to have time to go through all of them uh, extensively, but at least you may be aware of these because, you know, again, we read it already. It's given to each one for the profit of all. It's given to each one for the profit of it all. Profit for the profit of all. And so we want to make sure that that's happening and being released inside of you. Maybe you've never heard of these gifts, or maybe you've never understood that these were gifts for you to obtain. There's different perspectives and views on it. My feeling is because they are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that we have access to any and all of them. But my experience tells me that some people seem to have greater strengths in certain ones than others for whatever reason. I don't know, maybe they just had an experience with it or they just have faith for it, but they have faith for uh, believing for healing. And sometimes it's even specific, like I really have faith for cancer and, uh, and others have a faith for a miracle. Uh, and, and, and I've seen this function and operate, but yet it's, it's the, the Bible says that he distributes them as he wills. And I think it's, it's referring and referencing the fact that, you know, when we come together, you know, and I come to somebody and they need healing or a miracle, I, 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 he doesn't want me to look at him and say, oh, I'm sorry, I have the gift of wisdom, not that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Send it. You know, I, I just believe that there, the access is for all, but you will probably find that <clears throat> there are certain areas that you really have faith for. And, and praise God, go for it. That's, that's fine. Just don't neglect it and, and narrow it down to just one. Uh, let's look at the, the different gifts. The first one is the word of wisdom. Word of wisdom. On your notes there, word of wisdom. It's used approximately 51 times uh, in the New Testament. Uh, and it's basically the unique ability to speak forth the wisdom of God. Uh, and James calls it the wisdom from above. If you lack wisdom, ask of God. He'll give it to you from above. And so it's a unique ability to understand and know certain situations and what to do in those situations that is the wisdom of God. Remember, uh, even in the Old Testament, this was popular. Remember Solomon? Remember that was the one thing he asked for, what? God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. And we saw that demonstrated and how it, it greatly affected what he did. And so this is that gift of wisdom. Uh, just to jot these down, uh, uh, Luke 21, 15, Luke 21, 15, it says, I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all of your adversaries will not be able to contradict or reverse or resist. Wow, that's awesome, man. Because you know something? Sometimes the enemy comes and he lies to you. 
But man, he got, you, you need God's wisdom at that moment. Jesus didn't fight Satan on his own. He fought it with the word of God. God would want to give you wisdom at that moment so you're not wasting time with uh, old Slewfoot himself. Acts chapter, 10, Acts chapter 6 and verse 10. Listen to this. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. You know, there's just this thing, there's this wisdom, the gift of wisdom that God wants you to have in certain situations. It shows up in lots of areas. It shows up sometimes in business areas where you just have wisdom when it comes to business and whatever you touch, it, it works. It may be wisdom and counsel with people. You're, you're, you're talking with something with someone, and all of a sudden the wisdom drops down, and you're like, wow, you're now saying something. And when, even when you're done, you're like, whoa, what did I just say? That was really good, you know? It's a wisdom, it's a gift of wisdom that you have access to through the Father. Even, he's, even like I say, James says, it, hey, if you lack it, let's just ask God for it. He's not asking you to ask for natural wisdom. He, I want to give you a supernatural gift of wisdom. The second one on there is noted is the word of knowledge. We see it about 29 times in the New Testament, maybe even more, uh, if you look through the certain incidents and so forth, where God was giving words of wisdom. If you remember with in Acts chapter 27 and verse 10, Acts 27 and verse 10, remember Paul was getting ready to be put on a ship, and he says, listen, I perceive that the voyage will end with disaster and much loss. <laughs> what did he do? He got a word of knowledge from God about that specific situation. It was a specific word of knowledge, and he tried to use it to warn the people. I think about uh, uh, this uh, that I, I read about Charles Spurgeon, uh, and, and this is when he got saved. It was the preaching of a man who directed a portion of his sermon right to young Spurgeon. Spurgeon is a great theologian, in case you don't know who he is. Amazing theologian. Uh, made a huge impact. It says, it spoke right to him who supernaturally spoke right, right to where Spurgeon's heart was. It was just a word of knowledge that came to him. I was actually saved in a sense or prompted in salvation through a word of knowledge. I was driving to church and said, okay, God, if you're really real, I need to know that this is really you that I've been talking to lately. And verbatim, I said that to myself in my car on my way to church, verbatim, about halfway through the sermon, the pastor stopped and he said, you know, somebody's here and you ask God if, if this is really him, you need to know exactly what I said. And then he went right back to preaching. Well, that word of knowledge broke something inside of me that began to open up my heart to the Lord. So there's the word of knowledge. It's a specific detail. I, I've read so many stories of different ones that were walking down the sidewalk, and the Lord actually gave them an address and said, go to that house. And when they went to that house and knocked on the door and said, I don't know why I'm here, but God told me to come, and they led that person to the Lord. You know, so there's just so many things. Words of knowledge are specific things. Um, that God would give you. I, I know, you know Charlie Sweet, when he comes and ministers in prophecy, man, he was operating in words of knowledge often. It's like just God's giving stuff that no way he could have known on his own. And God wants to have that gift open to you also. You may need a word of knowledge sometimes for someone. It may unlock their, their, their life. I just jotted this down really quick. I don't even know if it's, it's just not on notes or anything. How does the word of knowledge come to you? 
And I, I just wrote these several things down. Number one, sometimes it's just an inner impression. Get a real still, small voice, you know, just a small voice, not a shout, not a scream. He's not going to hit you with a two by four, but just a, uh, a, I put down inner witness, something inside just witnesses with me about the situation that, yes, this is from God. Uh, sometimes people get inner pictures or they get actually sympathetic symptoms, you know, oh, my elbow hurts. Oh, maybe God wants me to pray for somebody that needs healing in their elbow. And so you end up in a situation where you, you're talking to somebody, and boom, they say, man, my elbow's really been a problem. <laughs> boom, and you're there with faith. Uh, how, uh, supernatural occurrences, uh, dreams, visions, uh, you know, we see angelic visitations. Those aren't, to- those aren't uncommon. Uh, prophecy, tongues, interpretations, sometimes even an audible voice. I put, I put down here that the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom usually come as faint, soft impressions. It's not like something that's always so big. That's why I think you want to be in tune by the Spirit so you can hear the Holy Spirit and what He's saying to you. You just chill out. And that's what I think is beautiful about worship. You, know, you just settle into worship, and oftentimes you, you begin to feel the heart of God. You begin to feel the presence of God. You begin to hear the voice of God. And I begin to acknowledge that, and I honor him in that. Uh, I, I have down here way too many uh, times where we see this word of knowledge functioning. Uh, but he, gave, he forewarned of the flood to Noah about a word of knowledge, didn't he? He said, man, I'm, I'm just going to rain. Well, that's absolutely a word of knowledge. <laughs> they didn't even know what that was. So he had a word of knowledge. And, and, and uh, with Joseph, he gave him dreams about the butler and the baker. And uh, he, 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 uh, he just foretold drought. He, 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 he told stories. He talks about the Passover plague. He reveals uh, the things about Israel's camp. Over and over, there were words of knowledge that were given throughout the scriptures to prompt the people of God to know what was happening. And God wants to do that in this setting too. He doesn't want his gifts just to not be functioning. I just don't think he would have given to it. The third one is the gift of faith. The gift of faith. Through faith uh, uh, is, is where we would see amazing miracles take place. And he says, Jesus said, you know, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? And I thought of a couple of people. I thought, well, what's some good examples? How many have heard of Heidi Baker? Most everybody's heard of her, just an amazing missionary. God just prompted them, sent them to China to help feed the orphans. She started in China. Her, his folks were in China. He started, they're all correcting me up here in case you couldn't hear that. Do your research, that's all I ask. Uh, <clears throat> she starts in China, and while they're in China, God calls them now to one of the poorest places in the world, Mozambique. So thank you for your help. Keep me on the straight and narrow. I can't lie to you guys for anything around here. But they go there, and they end up feeding thousands of children, even to this day. Thousands of little orphans and started churches, built water wells, and did all this stuff. Why? Because they had the faith to do it. God spoke to them, and they decided to do it. George Mueller, the same thing. in the 19th century, he, he built a, uh, an orphanage and had thousands of orphanage completely 
on prayer, never asking for one donation. And for thousands of people, he had faith to do that. I thought, what if God spoke something to you, but it was going to require faith to do it? Why? Because it was much bigger than you could have done on your own. And this is what he's saying. I want to give you a gift of faith. I want you to have that faith to do that. There's, 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 there's things in this room right here that God wants to do through you that is beyond your ability. But you'll never know if you don't step into some of the gifts of the Spirit to begin to believe him for that, to say, yeah, God does want to do something big. And instead of rejecting it because it's too big, you step into it and you say, wow, I, I, yes, God. You know, as it says, yes, God, isn't it? It's a dangerous response, but, but yes, God. But don't worry, you have the gift of, you'll have the gift of faith for that. And so we see this throughout that. What about the, the next one listed is the gift of healing? We, I think we all know what that is. It's just a, a miraculous healing, uh, often by the laying on of hands and the prayer of faith that healing takes place. And happens. I was healed a number of years ago from being paralyzed, and God supernaturally turned it around because people had faith for healing. And I thought, thank God that I have friends <laughs> that believed in healing and the gift of healing and never gave up. They fasted and prayed for me, and they continued to pray until God gave the breakthrough. And I thought, that's the type of person I want to be around. How about you? If, you're, <laughs> if you need it, you want that. There's also the working of miracles, and that word there for miracles is dunamis, dynamite. <clears throat> well, we get that word dynamite. There's the power of God that's able to break through in certain situations, whatever they might be, they go past the laws of nature and actually produce a miracle. He calls that the working of miracles. And then he goes on to say prophecy. I think we would all be pretty familiar with that. It's the speaking forth things of the future <clears throat> according, you know, it, it all has to obviously line up with the word, but yet the prophetic word comes and speaks into the future of people's lives. Letter G, there's the discerning of spirits. And I, I think this one is so very important. Uh, for us to understand the discerning of spirits because there is a lot of spiritual activity that's happening right now. <clears throat> and I have to have a discernment as to what is the spirit that I'm listening to. If you've ever heard of somebody that was listening to the wrong spirit, you would all, all you'd understand it. You'd catch it. Your, your wavelength was just different. It was like, wow, wait a minute. Something's, it sounds good, but something's way wrong with that. And you have to pick up on that sometimes or you'll slip into it. Remember Peter? He gets this revelation of God by the Holy Spirit, speaks to him and says, this is Christ. And he's, oh, yeah, yeah. And then five minutes later, he's hearing the, demonic spirit speak, and now he's voicing that. And Jesus turned around. That's why Jesus turned around and said to him, get thee behind me, who? Satan. Because he knew exactly who. All of a sudden now, Peter lost his discernment somehow, and he's listening to Satan. 
So it is critical for you to have a discernment of the Spirit because you, you'll meet people, you'll come into people that seem very nice and very sweet, and, and it's going to take the discerning of spirits to know of what spirit they're really coming from. Right. I, I think this is important. I think this is very important for us to get a hold of that God wants to give you that. He wants you to uh, be able to tell whether it's His Holy Spirit or the demonic. Because remember, Satan comes as an angel of what? Of light. What is that? He's a deceiver. And he will deceive you. Which, by the way, I I just say this here. You want to be closely connected with spirit-filled people because sometimes you might just have to run it by them. Hey, this is what it's, this is, does this this seem weird to you? And if they're good friends, if it is, then then they'll tell you, yes, that's very weird. And and, and you'll know that and you'll understand that and you'll begin to catch this thing. Because again, the the further we get into time, the more Satan is, uh, is appearing like angels of light and trying to come and deceive people. And again, there's lots of opportunities that we see in Scripture where this is happening. And so we want to be very careful. And I want you to know there is a gift of discernment, and you will know it sometimes. It'll just be like a check in your heart. Don't ignore that, especially when it comes to your kids. Especially. But really learn to tap into that and say, God, I want to know. I, I want to I sense what's happening around me. And of course, the more time you spend in his presence, the more you will recognize uh, the, the false spirit or the antichrist. Does that, does that make sense, you guys? It's not a scary thing, really, but it is a real thing that you really experience. And again, if, if you have any kind of a question, find somebody that's spirit-filled and Run it by them and see what seems to be wrong about it. I remember a situation in college where my friend Steve said, Hey, listen, I, I just led this guy to the Lord, you know, it's amazing. And come on over uh, to the house. I have him over there, you know. And, and I went over there and we're sitting there talking and I'm just like something's grinding inside of my spirit. Steve was all excited, led him to the Lord apparently. This guy, and, but something immediately began to grind inside of my spirit. I'm sitting there talking to the, the guy, and usually when I sense that, I'll just start trying to get that person to say the name Jesus. Come on, this is, and I began to do that with that person, and all of a sudden that person had this gold chain on his neck, grabbed that gold chain, ripped it off of his neck, and threw it on the floor and said, that's burning my neck. I immediately got wise. I knew something was wrong. Pretty soon I'm sitting there and this guy has his hand inside of his, like a, like a trench coat type, like type thing that he had on. And, and <clears throat> in a matter of minutes, this guy pulls out a dagger about this long. And he lunges toward me. I'm sitting across the room here. I have to admit, I didn't have much faith at that point. Because <laughs> I knew something was stirring, but I wasn't quite sure what it was. And my friend was completely missing it. And I remember putting my hand on a lamp that was in the ch- next to my chair. And I'm thinking, I'm going to use it. I got faith for this one. <laughs> 
And I remember he pulls this dagger out and he lunged toward me. And I remember this lamp. It was a ceramic one, unfortunately. And I went back, miscalculated, hit the wall. (laughs) Broke the lamp, cut my hand. (laughs) Fortunately, I began to say the name of Jesus. And this guy falls to the ground and literally slithered like a snake for a little while. And I just, that's all I could do. That's, I was a newer believer, hadn't really experienced much demonic stuff. And I just said, man, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And finally that person calmed down. And we took his dagger away from him. Remember, we took it over and threw it in the river. Uh, but this guy never got delivered. He, he wanted to go back to where he was. And he, my friend took him back and dropped him off at some bar or some downtown. And I thought, wow. See, my friend totally missed it. Totally missed it. So we want to have the discerning of spirits so we pick up on these things. And again, it's important for us to do that. Then he goes on and he talks about the gifts of tongues and then interpretations. And I, I think in this particular portion here, it's not your prayer language but it's a gift similar to prophecy. It comes sometimes by a tongue will come and an interpretation of that uh, unknown language would come follow it. We have to, it should, or it shouldn't be done. Uh, But it's like prophecy. And then uh, in verse 11, I'll kind of wrap it up this morning with this. Uh, uh, He said this, he says, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So it's his desire to release his gifts and his power and his ministry, the discerning of spirits, the word of wisdom, gift of knowledge, miracles, uh, uh, and so forth. He wants those to operate naturally in this setting. He wants them to operate naturally in this setting. He wants us to learn actually from here to allow them to operate out in the world too. To where God drops a word of wisdom for somebody or a word of knowledge or again a gift of faith to pray for them to get saved or uh, whatever the case is. But how, how, how many believers, and some of it has been because they're uh, uh, there was not a desire to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to really have freedom. And so, in other words, if we can't control it, let's not even do it. And so they came up with a theology that said, no, those gifts are no more for today. They were for back then when the apostles lived. But when the last apostle died, and I, I know a couple of places where they try to pin this to, but you can't. When the last apostle died, then there was no more need for these gifts because now we have the Bible. And, and I just want to say that's just not true. We see them functioning all the way through the New Testament and beyond. And you still see them functioning. People still get healed. People still have prophetic words. People still get words of knowledge. People still have miracles happen. People have all these things. How many have seen a few of those? You know, that, that, just, that's just the thing, is that they're still functioning. And, and God wants them to function. I believe he wants them to be a part of our everyday life 
to where we begin to function with these gifts and with these callings and these ministries on a natural uh, level every single day. So that brings me back to my dilemma. How do I get us out of the fishbowl of the natural into the fishbowl of the supernatural? How do you and I live there? How do we begin to stay there? Well, there's really, I hate, I can't even hardly call it simple. I'd like to, because it is. But it may be as simple as saying each day, God, I present myself to you. God, I want to do your will. Just simply verbalize it in the morning. God, I want to follow you. God, I, I want the Holy Spirit to distribute as he wills the gifts of God through me today. I want to be aware of this. I want to be available for you because God is trying to reach people and, 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 and he wants to touch people, but it's not going to be with just the natural. It will need to be with the supernatural. Jesus used the supernatural in his daily life, didn't he? I mean, as you're reading the gospel, it's like everywhere. It's like, wow, this one's getting healed, and that one's getting raised up, and this one's getting a word, and that one's getting a word, and prophetic word's happening, and all this stuff is working together. And all of a sudden, boom, life is happening, and 3,000 were saved, and 5,000 were saved, and then a multitude were saved. Things began to roll down. Well, the church lost the flavor for the supernatural somehow. But I say we take it back. And I say that we say, here am I, Lord, here am I. So we just maybe lift your hands right now. Let's just pray it. Let's just be bold. Lord, here am I. Lord, I don't want to live and operate just in the natural. I don't want to just allow the natural things of this life to lead me and to guide me. I want the supernatural and divine to come and touch me each and every day in my business and my family and in, uh, in, in everyday life. God, I pray in my coming and my going that the supernatural and the divine would impact my life like I've never seen it before. We've just read and seen all of your miracles, signs, wonders, and gifts, Father, that you have. And I pray today they would settle inside of us, stir inside of us, and begin to move us like never before. And we say, yes, here am I, God. That's all you asked of Abraham. And that's all Abraham said. And look at the great things you did through him. God, we're no different today. You're not doing any less today than you did with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Elijah and Elisha. There's no less need. There's actually a greater need today. And so, Father, today we, we joyfully come before you and say yes and amen. We will walk in the supernatural. We will listen to you, God, and just believe that greater days are ahead. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. I'm just telling